Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, the podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of December 24th, 2020, including Halo is sunsetting online services for Xbox 360 titles, the news is so slow, ho ho ho, and more. this until today when I was getting ready to record, but I guess the show is going live on December 24th, which is, of course, Christmas Eve. So let me start this week's episode by saying Merry Happy to all of you and whatever holidays you celebrate this holiday season. Regardless, like, like I said, I think I actually said this last year on the podcast as well, but, you know, the, the special thing about this time of year isn't really, you know, a specific holiday, whether that be, you know, Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa or whatever the fuck it is people celebrate these days, but it's it's just like that that this time of year there's like a collective feeling of like just like we should be a little happier. There's like more of a relaxed attitude. I feel like whether you're at school or work, there's just more of like this lax attitude of like ah oh, it's the holidays, loosen up, lighten up a little bit. You know, there's there's just like this collective thing that people are just all looking forward to, whether it be a specific holiday or a specific day off or like vacation, whatever it is, just. I don't know. That's that's what I like most about the season. It's not a specific day or event. It's just the general like lax feeling. I don't know. It feels like the only time of the year where like everyone just kind of takes a step back and, and and slows down for a second, which is nice in a in in a world where everything's constantly moving so fast. So merry, happy, whatever it is you uh, are celebrating this this year, this season, this month this day this week whatever and happy new year's of course i guess the show will be back you know xbox on doesn't take weeks off we're not like those other podcasts you listen to where these hosts feel so entitled to their time that they say oh you know what we're taking a day off you know we're gonna take we're gonna take a couple weeks off here for the holidays spend some time with our families fuck family you know what i said to my family they say jesse can you come home? We all miss you. We haven't seen you in forever. We miss you. I said, you think I fucking care about you guys? I've got an audience sometimes comment in and talk to me about Xbox. Do you know what that means compared to like my family? Like, fuck you. And so that's what I do. I throw I throw them all away and I say, nah, we got to put, we got a show to do. So I'm here. I'm here every week, guys. I don't give a shit if there's news. And if, if, uh, if the opening little, um, bumper there didn't, didn't already give it away. Yeah, this is a fucking slow news week. So if you're generally someone here who listens to the show because you like to skip through the comments and the banter and get kind of into the Xbox news, well, you're going to be fucking pissed out of luck because while we do have news, there will be a new segment. We're going to follow the normal run of show. It's definitely a bare bones news week. So I think I'm just going to stroll and indulge a little more than usual because, I don't give a shit what's going on in the world of Xbox. I'm going to take at least an hour and a half of your week, and uh, that's just that's just what I do. So with that said, let's jump into some comments and things like that. Oh, actually, before I jump into comments, I'm, 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 comments, I meant to say this earlier. So for next week, next week's show will go live on New Year's Eve. So technically, next week is the last episode of the year. I want to do a, a fun segment um, since there's almost definitely going to be like no news of relevance next week. So write in, comment in this week, go over to youtube.com slash second best gaming and click on the Xbox on podcast playlist and click on the latest episode and, and leave a comment with 
and I'm going to be really loose with this, like your favorite game of 2020, your favorite games of 2020. It doesn't even have to be a game that was released in 2020. It just has to be like your favorite gaming experience or video game or set of games you played this year in 2020. And so we can do kind of a, like a retrospective. I have some plans for next week. We'll do kind of a, a game awards game of the year kind of thing segment. Um, I've got some stuff planned with what I'm going to do for my picks and in and, and some formatting. But because typically that last week of December is normally just one of the most obnoxiously slow news weeks of the year, we're just going to have some fun with it next week. So write in with, you know, however you want to format that, whether it's a, a game, a couple of games, something this year, something from previous year. You know, one of the interesting things about 2020 is because so many of us spent so much time indoors. I think this was 2020 was kind of the year of the backlog where I feel like I know for myself, at least I got a lot of backlog knocked out, which isn't something I normally do. So I assume there's a lot more out there who have a similar story to tell where 2020 was the year of I discovered a new franchise or I finally got around to playing this game I never thought I'd play. So whatever it is, whether it's that or a 2020 specific game or something about the new consoles, write in with uh, something like uh, your picks, your top picks of the year or some moments or games or something related to this segment. So go ahead and comment in with that. We'll do that segment next week. I think that should be a lot of fun. And with that said, let's jump into our regular comment section this week. You know, as I already said, it comes from YouTube. You know how to find it. If you don't, well, that just makes it more cool and exclusive and you'll never know. So fuck you. But our first comment here comes from Henley Merrill, who says, happy holidays. Well, happy holidays to you as well, Henley. Thank you for writing in. Hope you have a great, safe and merry whatever it is, week. Um, I don't really know how, how this set of special days works. I think it's about a week, roughly. And then Mr. Miggy comes in and says, you have to try those Pop-Tarts. They're the best. Referring to, I think you said peanut butter and chocolate Pop-Tarts. And then you say, I find it funny how you love Taco Bell and Arby's, considering I used to work for each of them back when Arby's still sold Pepsi, of course. Ooh, and you're two years older than me. My quarter-life crisis is figuring out what to do with my life. Mr. Beast now has a burger. Okay, that's a that's a, that's a lot right there. Quarter-life crisis is figuring out what to do with your life. Well, first of all, Mr. Miggy, if, I'm, if my math is correct, and I think it is, I'm just doing my age minus two, you're about 23 years old right now. And I got to be honest, I don't think anyone knows what the fuck they want to do with their lives. I think that's why so many people jump careers in their 30s and things like that. I don't know what I want to do, you know? I don't, fuck, hell if I know what I want to do. When I was a kid, I just wanted to be a rock star forever. And now I'm like 25. And I'm like, oh, shit. Probably should have thought of something realistic. And uh, here, here I am podcasting to you about Xbox. You know, guys, if you want to help me figure out what to do with my life, make me very famous. Tell your friends. Subscribe to my Patreon. Throw lots of money at me. And uh, then maybe I can be a, a famous content creator. But Mr. Miggy, I wouldn't worry about that too much. It's it's okay not knowing what you want to do with your life. It's just uh, I think it's just important that Maybe if, if you don't know exactly what it is you want to do, you just keep yourself very open and, and flexible to new things. I think one of the most one of the biggest mistakes you can make is getting too comfortable with a, a, a specific setup or situation in life. So I, I think whenever you're in a rut where you don't know what it is you want to do with your life, you should chase new and maybe things that are a little uncertain or discomforting because it's just different. And you should chase a lot of that and embrace it a lot. And maybe that will help you help lead you into something, something you want to do, or at least reveal more about yourself that you didn't know. But this isn't a self-help podcast, so I don't give a shit what you want to do. I, what I care about is what your favorite games of the year were. So let me know, Mr. Miggy. And you say, Mr. Beast now has a burger. Yes, he does. I didn't even know who Mr. Beast was until this past week when all that news broke. But yeah, the very, very famous YouTube guy has a new burger thing you can order through like 
I think like DoorDash or Uber Eats or something like that. I only know about this because I'm a huge fan of Review Bra, Report of the Week on YouTube, and he reviewed Mr. Beast's uh, menu at his new burger establishment, and that's how I found out about that. But thank you for writing in and letting the audience know. Mr. Beast, who is a YouTuber, a very famous YouTuber, it does indeed have a, a chain of burger restaurants now, all, all out of nowhere. Uh, Lethal Migraine says, Around Christmas, those divine Mexican fries are coming back to the menu at Taco Bell. I'm excited. I gotta be honest with you, Lethal Migraine. It's like you and I are just always butting heads on on preferences here, but I like the fries at Taco Bell just fine. I'm not trying to shit on them, but that is one of those few Taco Bell food items where I never really got the appeal. They're good. I've had them a couple times, but even when they come back, you know, they, they come and go. It's one of those reoccurring menu items. I don't really go out of my way for Taco Bell fries. They're just, eh, it's fine. I think the only times I've ever really had them was once the first time they came out out of curiosity and obligation, of course, to have the new menu item. And then every time I've had them since then, it's only been because like my girlfriend's like, oh, they have the fries back, get those. So like that's like the only time I've ever really had them, but they're fine. I'm glad you like them. I don't know, man. It's like, yeah, you could get fries at Taco Bell or you could just get like another couple like value menu items and uh, some loaded grillers, some some uh, some beefy burritos for a dollar. I don't know. I feel like that's a little more tantalizing uh, when you're looking at like something supplemental to go with your Crunchwrap Supreme or Chalupas. But to each his own. My mother says, uh, sipping my ketchup smoothie and enjoying the show. You do not have to. You do not want to ever go to a Shoney's. Worst place ever. Worse than a Waffle House. I like Waffle House. It's just reheated industrialized food, probably similar to hospital food. It's not even real. Save your money. Even McDonald's is better than Shoney's. Well, you didn't do a good job of turning me off of Shoney's because, one, I like Waffle House. Two, of course, McDonald's is better. There are not many things in this world better than McDonald's, so no shit. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I'm still going to try Shoney's against your best wishes, mother, so... Can't stop me now. Joe Murphy comes in and says, there are too many games, uh, too many Xbox games I want to play. Um, it's hard to pick uh, what to play first, second, and third. I did move Cyberpunk 2077 until February. Well, I'll love your show in the food slash soda talks. Well, thanks for writing, Joe. Love having you comment in. And that sounded a little disingenuous in the way I said it, but I, I do mean that. I really appreciate each and every one of you that writes in. It does mean a lot to me. But you say, I don't, I, I know you're not asking, you, you didn't pose this as a question, but I'm going to answer it like a question anyway, because I, I'm that self-important. But you say, I, it's hard to pick between what to play first, second, and third. For this, I, I mean, I think a lot of us have that, have that problem, as I was mentioning earlier about the about the backlog. But that's, a, that's definitely something I run into a lot, where it's like, oh man, you try to like, make a little bit of a roadmap for like the next couple of games you're going to play, and it's very overwhelming. I find it like, the more you can try to not have a roadmap, the less you can try and stress yourself about what to play and when you have to play it, the more you can just focus in on what you're currently playing and forget about it. For example, you know, at the very beginning of December, I was at the tail end of um, of Yakuza Kiwami 2, and I was really stressing myself over, like, ah, I got to get this one finished before Cyberpunk comes out and all this crap. And then, you know, kind of last minute, I was like, dude, fuck Cyberpunk. I'll just wait until it's patched more and, like, why am I rushing myself through Yakuza? I'm enjoying the game. Just enjoy the game and play it now and whatever. And then when I finished it, my, my kind of response was like, well, now I just want to put off Cyberpunk for a while because combination of, you know, obviously what's what's going on with the game with it needing a lot more work, but also because I got, like I, I mentioned last week, I just got a lot going on with my, my job right now. That's kind of, I have a lot of work that's following me home you know, until for at least a couple more weeks. So I'm trying to put off any like really big games, like big open world story driven games. And 
I'm really grateful for this situation, actually, because what what happened was I was like, well, I can't jump into cyberpunk. I don't really want to commit to anything. It's, it's the holidays. I got a lot going on with work. I just, you know, I kind of need it. Like my gaming time needs to be something a little more mindless or a little less committed. And so I've just really been doubling and now tripling down on just playing through all these Call of Duty games. As I mentioned last week, I was playing some Black Ops 2. And so I just I, I keep playing these Call of Duty games and it's been really nice for me to kind of like go back and redo this this series of Black Ops titles that, you know, I never knew I'd get back to playing and I'm really enjoying it. And then, you know, I had the realization it's like, well, why are you spending this precious gaming time replaying something you've already played before when you could, you know, like finish something else that you've never played before. Like I, I kind of on and off go back and forth with Doom Eternal and, and Psychonauts trying to finish those games for the first time, but I'm not feeling it right now. So I think there's something to be said about just kind of ignoring the urge and trying to suppress the urge to make a roadmap for what you're going to play and when you're going to play it and to just try and indulge in whatever speaks to you in that moment. Like, yeah, like you could say it's a waste of time for me to go back and play Black Ops 1 and 2 again, games I've already beaten and played extensively, you know, eight, 10 years ago. Like, that's kind of a waste of my gaming time. I should use this precious limited time to play something I haven't played before. But on the flip side, it's like I'm having so much fun replaying these games I never thought I'd play again that I, I think you could argue the value of it just enjoying my time and indulging in this thing I never thought I would enjoy, but I'm just strangely really feeling right now is more valuable than forcing myself to play something new that I may or may not enjoy as much as, you know, what I'm doing right now. So I, I again, I know you didn't ask this as a question. You were just making a statement, but allow me to jump in here and just say, to the best of your ability, I think it's it, it can be really be beneficial to try and not fixate too much on what you have to play, what you feel obligated to play, and what order you need to play these games. Just play whatever feels right. Be you know, be a heathen. Just do what feels good. You know, get into the library on your Xbox dashboard, look at what you have, and say, "This is what I want to play right now." Find the thing that's scratching the itch and say, "That's good. I, I want more of that." So, whatever. Lethal Migraine comes back and says, "Arby's Turkey Ranch Bacon Market Fresh Sandwich is one of the best fast food items there is." I'll be honest with you, Lethal Migraine, I've never had that sandwich before, but I definitely want to try it now. I, I'm I'm so determined to find more things we have in common, but yeah, that, I mean, I like turkey, I like ranch bacon, that all sounds good, I like Arby's, so I want to give that a try. I've always been more, I think I've said this before, I'm always more of a chicken guy when it comes to Arby's. I really like, they have a couple of chicken sandwiches and their sliders, of course, which are all very good, so I, I will branch out and try that turkey sandwich on your recommendation. You better pray it's good. Jay comes in and says... This is a random shout out to your Australian listeners, uh, but Hungry Jacks, Red Rooster, Nando's, Grilled, Oporto, Chicken Treat, Zambrero, Noodle Box, what's your favorite? So these are a bunch of what I assume are Australian fast food establishments, and you're reaching out to our Australian uh, friends who listen to the show and saying, guys, what do you prefer? Now, so Jay, I really appreciate this comment a lot for a couple of reasons, and, and, and here's what I have to say. So first of all, some, I'm mindful of this sometimes, you know, we get a little too indulgent on the podcast and we talk about like, obviously everyone in the fucking face of the earth knows what McDonald's is, but sometimes we talk about the Popeyes or the Arby's or something like that. And I'm well aware that like these restaurants don't exist all over the world. So some of these listeners are like, what the fuck's an Arby's? You know, like who the hell, why would you name a restaurant Zaxby's? And here we are talking about them anyway. And I don't mean to be so 
you know, inconsiderate of certain portions of the audience by talking in things that like only a specific portion knows of, but we got to do it. All fast food is created equal. And we, and we got it. We got to have these important conversations. But what I really appreciate about this is you've given us the opportunity to flip the script. So now the Australian listeners can kind of indulge in hearing a little bit about the restaurants they're familiar with in much in the way that, you know, I'm familiar with some of these fast food restaurants you've never heard of. And then also I think it's a fun learning opportunity for a lot of us non-Australian listeners to be like, Oh man, I've never heard of that. You know, whether, whether we ever make it over to Australia or not, you know, before COVID destroys us all, I think it's just cool to know about these places. I'm, I'm someone who's generally just interested in stupid shit, like this random chicken restaurant that doesn't operate in the U S so stuff like that is interesting to me. So what I, what I want to do here is I want to pull up these restaurants and, and learn what we're missing out on. Let's, let's, let's see what is hungry jacks. What the fuck is this hungry jacks? I'm, I'm on Bing right now. I'm searching it up. So hungry jacks is a franchise. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So yeah, this looks like a knockoff Burger King. And then I see here, Wikipedia says hungry jacks party limited is an Australian fast food franchise of the Burger King Corporation. So this is, do you guys, so you guys don't have Burger King in Australia? You have Hungry Jack's instead? Guys, come on. What the fuck are you doing? Oh, it's in Wales as well. So you guys know it over in, in the Europe, in the Europe part of the world. So, okay. Okay. I didn't know that. I, for some reason, I thought Burger King was probably all throughout Europe as well. Okay. Here we go. Um, fun fact, I believe Tim Hortons bought Burger King like five years ago or something. So I think, I think Burger King is now Canadian owned, but whatever American started. So that's all that matters. Uh, but yeah, here, here we go. Hungry Jacks. I'm looking at a picture of one. Now I don't know if the modern locations look like this, but it's a little reminiscent of like what Burger Kings used to look like back in the nineties with like the play place, you know, the little playground and kind of the, the more fun and poppy colors and signs has personality and charm to it, unlike everything from today that just has to look so fucking devoid of personality and, and any fucking interesting aesthetic appeal. So I am very much digging, as the kids would say, the the look of a of a hungry jack. Oh, here's one from here's oh okay. Oh, okay. So you oh, alright. Yeah guys, so if you don't know what Hungry Jacks is, look it up. This is I guess the Burger King. I would like to know a little more about the menu. Oh yeah, that's just fucking Burger King. Okay, so Hungry Jack's is just Burger King for you guys. So, I mean, I'm sure it tastes a little different. You guys probably put like kangaroo meat and shit in your Hungry Jack's, but this is essentially just yeah. Okay, I can get down with this. This looks good. Yeah, if I'm ever if I'm ever in the outback or in Wales, whatever for something, whatever reason, I'm I'm probably gonna have to check out the Hungry Jack's. I'm. I'm down with that shit. Good. Let's look up another one. Okay, Red Rooster. I, I just got it. I'm, I don't mean to go in order, but... Okay, so Red Rooster, Australian fast food chain restaurant found in 1972, blah, blah, blah. Specializes in roasted chicken. Burgers, wraps, salads, beverages, whatever desserts. Okay, I'm, I can uh, do this. So Red Rooster, let's look at the pictures. Let's see what this is all about. I should specify Red Rooster restaurant because when I just typed in Red Rooster, the image search gave me a lot of pictures of actual roosters. So that was... Not a smart idea. But yeah, okay. This place, I'm not feeling the look, okay? I don't like this. What is this? They have servers here? What is this? Why are there all these men in vests? Okay, there's that looks like a regular grab and go spot. Okay, I'm not I'm not enjoying the aesthetic. Looks a little too like I don't know, it looks a little too hipster. I'm seeing like some places that look like fast food restaurants and some places that look like table service restaurants. So I'm a little put off by what Red Roosters is putting out here. So let's try let's try one more. Okay. 
Okay, actually, we got to try two more. I need to do Nando's and Noodle Box. I need to know what these are. Okay, so Nando's is a South African restaurant chain that specializes in Portuguese African Portuguese African food. That sounds awesome, including signature flame grilled peri peri style chicken. That's that's fucking awesome. Okay, let's look up pictures of Nando's and see what we got going on. For some reason, the name Nando's made me think, or Nando's, or however you're supposed to say it, made me think that we're gonna see like some fucking like beach surfs up fish tacos and Bud Light kind of restaurant, but I guess, I don't know why, I don't know why I was expecting that. This looks a little tables, now Jay, I'm a little concerned why you chose these restaurants that are a little more table service focused, because you know we're talking about fast food, you know, if you gotta sit down, if you gotta have a waiter ask what you want to eat, that's too slow. We're gamers, we gotta, we gotta eat on the go, because we got places to be, we got games to beat, we have backlogs to address. And you want me to sit down and wait for a goddamn waiter to take my order? No. We talk about fast food because we live fast lives. I, I, I encourage you to get your act together here. Okay, Nando's. All right, last one. Noodle Box. Noodle Box. I want, I want to try this one. Okay, Noodle Box is an Australian stir-fried noodle quick service restaurant chain headquartered in Melbourne, Victoria. Let's look at pictures. All right, so this is, yeah, see, this is what I want to see. This is like some fucking, yeah, goddamn Panda Express looking motherfuckers you got over here. All right, yeah, there you go. This looks like basically Australian Panda Express. I like what I'm seeing here. Noodle Box. Fun exterior on the restaurants, interesting menu items. I would I would eat at a noodle box. Jay, if I ever make my way over to Australia, if I ever am brave enough to swim across the ocean, I will go to a noodle box. Thank you for turning me on to this. And to our other Australian listeners, I'm a little disappointed that not many of you or no one really wrote in to, you know, back up the restaurants Jay mentioned here. I would have liked to have had this conversation a little more if you are an Australian listener. You don't have to be Australian. If you are a listener who is familiar with any of these brands, it looks like some of them operate in other parts of the world. Or if you're just someone who's been to one of these countries where these restaurants exist, please feel free to speak to them. I'd like to know more of your thoughts and opinions. But I do appreciate you writing in with that, Jay. Uh, and to the rest of you Australian listeners, come on, guys. Get it together. Uh, my brother Josiah comes in and he says, you just said deadites from Evil Dead are zombies. Okay, cancel Halo, cancel Mountain Dew, cancel McDonald's, cancel Xbox on. Sprinting and clambering slash mantling and aiming down sights and back for blood. It's funny because no one thinks twice about it, but if you add any of those features to Halo, people lose their fucking minds. Well, yes, I agree to all that. All that is true including the part where you should cancel me. Next, Adam Ziso comes back in after commenting last week and says, thanks a lot. It's really something special to have you answer on the podcast. Well, I appreciate you writing in. It's 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 always feels good to have new listeners or new commenters join in on the conversation. You say, I also love McDonald's for the Big Mac, quarter pounder, double cheeseburger, something that should get the Nobel Prize. It's a higher alchemy of taste. Well, that's a that's actually a really good way to put it. I've never liked darker games. Like Pokemon and Zelda were in the lead for years. I think what you're trying to say is that you've never really leaned towards more like dark or mature games and that you preferred games like Zelda and Pokemon. I if I'm reading that correctly. And then you said back to the food, steering back to what really matters, you say, Do you prefer the double cheeseburger over the quarter pounder too? Best to eat both, I know. I finished drinking a cola thanks to you now, and I have a Pepsi Max packet at home, but it's not the same as regular Pepsi. Well, that's that's true, but, you know, at least you got something. All right, let's answer the most important question here first. You say, do you prefer the double cheeseburger to the quarter pounder? I don't know if this conversation has been had on the podcast before, but you bring up a really important thing here. In fact, this is probably the one of the biggest conundrums in modern, in modern history, I think, because anyone who knows their way around a McDonald's menu knows that 
first of all, the McDouble is a fucking disgrace. If you're someone who tries to save a quick 30 to 60 cents and you order McDouble instead of a double cheeseburger, there's a fucking, there's a, there's a special place for you in hell. Just know that. So get that off your mind for, for a quick second. But the double cheeseburger and the quarter pounder, not the double quarter pounder, the regular classic quarter pounder and the double cheeseburger, those two are by far the best sandwiches. I know they're so famous for, you know, the Big Mac or whatever. Uh, no, the, the best McDonald's sandwiches are definitely the double cheeseburger and the quarter pounder. And when I was younger, I used to think, well, you know, the double cheeseburger probably is just a little bit, it's probably a little bit lower in terms of, or ranks just below the quarter pounder, because the double cheeseburger is the one you get because it's cheaper than the quarter pounder, right? So that's why the double cheeseburger was often the one I ordered more, but didn't prefer as much. And then after just a few more times of having the quarter pounder, I came to the realization that that's actually not the case. Because the reality is the double cheeseburger and the quarter pounder are one of the rarest examples in life of when Something is so fucking good that there's no possible way to have an objective or even subjective conversation about which one is superior. I think it is just both cut and clear that both the double cheeseburger and the quarter pounder from McDonald's are equally perfect sandwiches. And the only reason why both exist instead of, you know, instead of like one being superior over the other is because there is a time and a place for each of them. The double cheeseburger, in my opinion, is the go-to McDonald's burger. It's the one you're going to get you know, seven out of 10 times. It's just so goddamn good. Of course, you're going to ask for no ketchup because you love your mother and you don't, and you don't, and you don't hate Jesus Christ, of course. But, you know, the quarter pounder is this really special thing where like when you are in the mood, you know, that 30% where you're like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to bust out the wall and just go nuts today at McDonald's and you get the quarter pounder. There's something so special that it, that it's, it's only one patty, but the amount of meat to bun, like that meat to bun ratio is so perfected that it's, it's solid. You don't need the second patty and the thicker sliced onions are so amazing. Like and the diced onions from McDonald's are iconic. Let's not pretend that they're not amazing because of course they are, but the, the thick ass raw, strong onions on the quarter pounder really pull that sandwich together. It's just such an amazing addition to that burger and it really helps pull it together and of course the quarter pounder like the you just taste the it's like you taste the flavor of the meat more without it being overbearing it still has such a balanced flavor profile so the quarter pounder is just i don't know it's it's so weird it's like every time i eat a double cheeseburger i'm like this is the best and then i eat a quarter pounder I'm like no this is the best and they're just so special that i could literally never choose between the two and i don't mean that as a cop-out i just genuinely genuinely mean it that they are both absolutely 10 out of 10 perfect couldn't be any better if they tried sandwiches and god i mean just just thinking about it it's like i mean like it's such a win-win situation regardless of which one you get but i mean if you're really having a good day like if you if you got an a on your algebra one test and you really want to celebrate it maybe you maybe you go to mcdonald's and you say fuck it i'm probably gonna die you know from something else anyway so give me a double cheeseburger and a quarter pounder no ketchup and that that's just the best day ever thank you for writing in with that adam zizo and then our next comment here comes from master doom chief one of my favorite names he says it's such a shame that they have uh bad console ports referring of course to cyberpunk 2077 um, but it is a pretty good game underneath all the ugliness on my pc it runs like water so yeah i mean first of all awesome for you that you have a, a nice pc to run it so you can really enjoy the game in its current state. But yeah, I mean, I, I think what you say here is probably probably speaking more honestly to a story that I think has been a little underserved. And a lot of the flack CD Projekt's been getting over this game, I think is super, super deserved because they released an unfinished game. Like, you, you deserve 
to take some heat for that. Don't try to sell people uh, a non-finished product and take their money for that. But I also feel what you're saying here. It, it is a little unfortunate, you know, that it seems to be like if you can sift through all the complaining, the bitching, the moaning, and like the screen grabby, like clickbaity, like, oh, look at this, look at this glitch, and look how broken the game is here and there, and what a piece of trash. If you can somehow sift through all that and find like people just honestly talking about the game, the story, the gameplay, the world, and all that, it seems like it's a pretty phenomenal game just covered in all this shit. So, I, I mean, what that ma- that makes me feel mostly bad for, like, the passionate creatives at CD Projekt Red that knew this game needed more time, but they didn't have a say in, you know, whether or not it got more delays. So, I, that, that just makes me feel bad for those people. I just put in so much passion and work behind making this game such a special product only to be forcibly released into this market of, like, game's not ready, looks and runs like shit, look how broken and buggy it is, so... That's unfortunate, but I'm glad you're having a good time with it. Now let's uh, let's kind of sunset into our last few comments here. This is where I put the longer comments, but no less important comments. Count Skyler writes in and says, I appreciated the Coke Freestyle pro tip. I've avoided those machines so hard. It never even occurred to me to just use water. Now, Count Skyler, of course, you're referring to when I said, you know, switch it to water mode, run it for a few seconds to clean out the line, and then switch to the flavor you want so that you don't get the last person who used the machine's soda flavor stuck in your drink. Now, I, just to be clear... That helps, but it doesn't fix the problem. The Coke Freestyle machine is just inherently fucked from top to bottom. It's a it was a horrible idea conceived by Sadists, and I don't I don't wish the Coke Freestyle machine on anyone. But if you have to use it, if you're in a situation where you're choking on a hot dog and you just need a refreshment, then yes, I guess this is how you should use the Coke Freestyle machine. But uh, nonetheless, I appreciate you writing in about that. You 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 go on to say more importantly. I was really hoping the initiative would have chosen a brand new IP uh, rather than Perfect Dark. However, as soon as journalists started saying that it's more like Mirror's Edge, uh, like as far as movement goes, in a stealthy first-person shooter, the excitement had begun to creep in. I never played a Perfect Dark game before, so I think that's why my enthusiasm level was so low initially, but I actually think I can probably get behind this. Should I go ahead and play Cyberpunk now? I too am getting burned out by the regular on the regular by so many of these games that look nice but are just not my thing. I was really excited to get Cyberpunk 2077, but made myself wait until the at least the reviews were out. Well, we all know how that went, and now I'm on the fence. Do I wait until next gen or just take my chances now? I mean, if you can wait, I would... If you're someone who's not, like, shitting your pants to play Cyberpunk, first of all, I would just say wait. I, I Simply wait. Like, if you can wait, wait, you know? I, I don't think you're missing out on on much. I, I you know like this game clearly should have been delayed. So I think we as consumers, especially those unlike myself who who didn't pre-order the game, should exercise or should try and exercise the patience and restraint that CD Projekt Red lacked, and just say, let me give this game three to six more months in the oven to become the game it should have been. You know, let me wait until it's the product that the developers really wanted to put out into the world. And then I'll play it. You know, like the game will still be there when you're ready and it will be better than it is now. And it's not like there's like a dearth of amazing games to get to. So literally anything else, you could just play anything else. I, I think if you can, you know, if, if you have like me and my halo infinite levels of hype about cyberpunk, then fuck it. Just put up with the bugs and go for it now. Enjoy it. You know, who knows? Maybe the bugs will add to the experience, but 
if you if you can restrain yourself, I think the answer for anyone who doesn't own the game, hell, for even people who own the game, I think the overwhelming answer is just, eh, wait. Unless you just know you're someone who's going to get more enjoyment out of a buggy, broken mess of a game because you're going to get a lot of laughs out of it, I think the answer is just to wait because you're only benefiting your eventual experience with the game by being patient. Not that that's a revelation or anything. I just think, you know. Yeah, I mean, I totally get you. There's so many so many open-world games that are like, oh, that looks promising, and then you play and you're like, ah, oh, this is kind of run-of-the-mill. Really, the only open-world, like, generic open-world, or should I say, like, textbook open-world game that really blew me away or got me in any way in particular was Red Dead Redemption 2 in recent years. So, if anything, if you haven't played Red Dead Redemption 2, just go ahead and play that. It's, uh, I can't imagine Cyberpunk's going to be better than Red Dead Redemption 2, but... I hope I'm wrong, but yeah, that, I mean, that's that's what I'd recommend. Back to your Perfect Dark comment, I, I agree with you. I've always been, I mean, anyone who's been listening to the show for a while now knows that when the rumors started coming in, you know, the rumors that the initiative were working on Perfect Dark are from like six to ten months ago, so we've pretty much known this was coming for a long time, so... I wasn't really surprised to learn that that was real because I kind of believed the rumors. But I, I, I'm with you there. I was a little disappointed. I'm like, the, the studio's being billed as a quadruple-A studio. Like, why the fuck are they bringing back Perfect Dark? You know, a series that kind of has, you know, some fond memories, but mostly people don't really give a shit about it. People aren't clamoring for Perfect Dark to come back, you know, the way they were clamoring for, like, I don't know, what's something that people were dying to see come back that came back and made everyone super happy in their pants again? Like... I don't know, people weren't, like, clamoring for Perfect Dark the way they're currently clamoring for, like, Silent Hill to come back or something like that. It's not one of those things. So the fact that Perfect Dark is the franchise they chose to work on just makes no sense to me. But I'm kind of like you here, where I'm like, they said it was first person, so I was like, okay. And then they talked more about, like, a kind of dynamic or fluid kind of movement system or traversal system, which immediately made me really excited, especially especially knowing how much Insomniac talent works at the initiative. So I'm kind of with you there where I'm like, I, I'm pretty optimistic about Perfect Dark now. I, I don't know if I think, if I'm a, a, anticipating to see like something so groundbreaking and quote unquote quadruple A, like Phil Spencer was saying back in 2018. But I, I am fairly excited and interested to see what this game looks like whenever we you know finally see gameplay and get a further understanding of what it is. But I think we're a ways out, so... Best case, I think the best thing to do with Perfect Dark right now is to just kind of try and forget about it because this is a perfect example of a game that's being shown too early because they want to brag about this studio and so the game's kind of suffering by being like prematurely marketed as a as a means of saying one Series X has a lot of great shit coming on you know, on the horizon so hold on tight and two because they want to show off this really awesome studio they just spent a lot of money forming so I think that's the only reason why we see Perfect Dark now but let's just try and forget about this game and then when they're ready to show it then we can talk i think then we can have a more a more constructive conversation about what it looks like whether or not it was a good choice to go to this it's just it's so early in development and the, and the details are so scarce and vague that it really is hard to have like a a serious conversation about what we're getting and if it's the right move or not i just i just think we have to see a gameplay demo of whatever this game ends up being before we can really further that conversation. But I, I agree with you. It's um, it, it's kind of like a little bit of a roller coaster of emotions, the whole story of this being the game that they're working on. But 
I'm trying to remain optimistic and also just not think about it too much until we know more. All right, Jay comes back and says, I've already played about 15 hours of Cyberpunk. It runs beautifully on the Xbox Series X. The only glitch I've encountered is being is half a second of clipping issues. That's not that's not bad at all. The game itself, bear in mind, I've always been a Cyberpunk fan, so this setting really is my wheelhouse. It's great. The combat works well, you can tackle all the missions through a variety of techniques, and the world itself comes alive the more you delve into it. I barely touch the main storyline, focusing a lot on side quests. Customization of your character is varied enough to make your character feel unique. It's not the game to change the world, but neither was The Witcher. Uh, what they do have in common is the rich and detailed worlds, uh, coupled with solid stories. I'm just referring to the side missions here, of course. And great writing. Um, that's what I liked about The Witcher, and it's what I like about Cyberpunk. Gameplay is nothing new, but it's strong and effective. Sorry that went on way too long. Uh, no, don't apologize at all. It's a, it's a, that's actually a great comment. It's a nice detailed comment. I think it gives a lot of people listening a, a nice taste of what to expect. And it helps, I think, you know, even though this is obviously your subjective opinion, I think this helps really frame a little more about what Cyberpunk actually is or actually will be once we can get past this conversation of refunds and bugginess and broken game. I think this is a, a much better snapshot of just like what this game is going to be at some point when we can finally talk about it for what it is and not what it launched as. So I, I do appreciate that feedback. And it's it's kind of fun you say this because in a way this almost disappoints me because it, it kind of affirms everything I always worried about Cyberpunk, which is that the thing that carries this game is the setting, the art style, the aesthetic, the detailed world, the characters, which is all great. I'm excited about, but it's not revolutionary or next gen or groundbreaking in terms of its, I don't know, gameplay mechanics and just, and just, I don't know. It, there's nothing about it that's like you've never seen a game like this before. It's, it, it might be one of the most detailed or best versions of a specific genre, but it's not paving the way for a whole new era of gaming. Or that's, that's at least how I kind of read what you're saying is, and I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but that's kind of my worry. It's, it seems like this is all really good news if you're someone who's already a fan of this kind of stuff. But to me, I, I, I just so worry that I'm going to really get into cyberpunk at some point and I'm going to enjoy the first few hours of it and then at some point realize that I don't give a shit about all the detailed, nerdy, more RPG, open world shit and that I just want cutscenes and gunplay and that I'm going to get bored and never finish it. So I do appreciate this comment, but man, I hope I hope just somehow, you know, my tiny brain finally plays cyberpunk and is for some reason just thinks that this this game is something i've never experienced before so i'm sure in a lot of ways it is completely new but seems like it is in other ways you know just it's it's still an open world action western role-playing game like it's still if you're not if you're someone who doesn't like elder scrolls and fallout and witcher it's not gonna this game probably isn't gonna suddenly turn you into a massive fan of this genre but Here's hoping. Lethal Migraine helps round out the comments. It says, I don't ever build in Fortnite, but I do quite well when I play. A lot of top three finishers, some wins. Don't need to build to have a good time, thankfully. Well, Lethal Migraine, uh, in, in the twist of the century, I would have never guessed that you play Fortnite, but thank you for letting us know that you are a sweaty eight-year-old child who will kick my ass in Fortnite. But all joking aside, yeah, I mean, you're kind of right. I think I overplayed how essential the building mechanic is, but at the same time, I feel like you can't really appreciate what the game's supposed to be or how you're supposed to play it unless you can effectively build. But Lethal Migraine, you you finish up with saying, my issue with the Perfect Dark game, by the way, is I want a game that combines Deus Ex with Splinter Cell. 
And instead, it looks like it's the initiative is combining stealth with Mirror's Edge, and that's not what I want. I'm also disappointed that's first person instead of third person. Xbox has plenty of first person games. Lethal Migraine, again, in our never-ending quest to always disagree on everything, this is exactly why I'm optimistic about Perfect Dark, is because I want stealth and Mirror's Edge in first person over Splinter Cell in Deus Ex in third person. So this is exactly what makes me excited for the game. So I think it's just so funny that once again, we're on opposing sides of this, of this conversation. And I think you're actually, you raise a great point. You are correct. Like Xbox has a ton of first person games. Like they have Bethesda now, which makes like exclusively first person games between all their studios. They have Obsidian, which makes first person games. They have the Cola or the, the 343, which makes first person games. They have, you know, just so many stu- like rare even makes a first person game now. That's what Sea of Thieves is. So like, regardless of the specific genre, it's like it seems like most Xbox exclusives play in the first person perspective. But that's actually one of the things I love about Xbox so much is because, well, first of all, they have the controller for it. The Xbox controller was designed to be like a first person, like lovers, gamepad because the off-axis analog sticks are so perfect for first-person games. Plus, Xbox has the superior triggers. Keeping in mind that I have never held a DualSense controller before, but whatever. But yeah, I mean, this is something I love about Xbox. I'm generally just a, a more first-person attracted person. So I, I prefer that. That's not weird, but I prefer that to third-person games generally. Um, so that, that actually excites me quite a bit. But you are right that Xbox definitely leans a little heavier first-person. But I think that's much in the same way Sony leads leans a little too heavy into third person think about it like this like sony has like kill zone and they had resistance fall of man those were like their only first person games and those were both first person shooters and both of those franchises are kind of dead now so it's funny when you think about it, it's like on xbox it's like yeah they have some third person games like i mean bleeding edge came out recently that's third person fable is first person the new one will likely be third person as well you know stuff like that but i mean gears of war obviously is third person it's over the shoulder third person which is kind of a different perspective but it's a third person game nonetheless so i mean xbox has some third person games in the same same way but i think that's kind of one of the things that differentiates them is they lean a little further into their first person content because that's kind of I, i don't know it's kind of a trope of xbox if you will but I don't know. I like that about Xbox. And then our final comment of the week comes from Ryan Weil, who says, Hey, man, great show as always. And a while back, I commented about how I was playing Halo for the first time. I'm back now after playing Halo 4 and 5. Without a doubt, Halo is the best series I've ever played. Well, Ryan, you've just officially won my heart. You say, I thought 4 was a masterpiece, and I actually really enjoyed 5. Seeing what they did with Cortana blew my mind. I did think that there was too much of Osiris and Locke, but oh well. After playing them all, I think it's a toss-up between Combat Evolved and 3 for the best game in the series, although I really do enjoy ODST. Uh, Now that I'm through the campaigns, I want to dive into multiplayer. What is your recommendation? Halo 5 or Master Chief Collection? It's all new to me, but I'm I'm in total love with the franchise. Cannot wait for Infinite. Well, Ryan, if I weren't in a committed relationship right now with my girlfriend, I would probably just get down on my knees and ask you to marry me because you said all the things that make me a happy daddy. But all, all joking aside, I'm really I'm really happy to see that you enjoyed the Halo series. And I'm surprised to see you enjoyed 4 and 5 as it seems like it's kind of like expected that everyone has to hate on them. But no, I mean, that, that just means more enjoyment for you. Okay, so a lot of things here. You say, should I play... Jumping into multiplayer, 
go with Halo Five or Master Chief Collection, sir. This is this is the conundrum of, of of all time. Aside from the conundrum of of the double cheeseburger versus the quarter pounder, I think this is probably the second conundrum: is do I play Halo Five or Master Chief Collection? So I think the answer is all of them. First of all, because when you're playing Master Chief Collection, you really jump between you know Halos one through four plus Reach. So. Like, it's like saying, you know, saying, like, do I play Halo 4, Halo 5 or do I play Master Chief Collection? It's like saying, do I play every Halo but 5 or do I play 5 and nothing else? So, I think the answer is all of them because eventually Halo 5, I, I think, will end up in Master Chief Collection. Um, but it, it certainly belongs in there because Master Chief Collection is a celebration of all the Halo games. So, I think you should start, start with Master Chief Collection because... I mean, I think a lot of OG Halo fans are going to say, you know, Halo, Halo 2, whatever. My personal take is that Halo 3's multiplayer is phenomenal. Like, I just have the most nostalgic and brightest memories of my life playing Halo 3 online multiplayer. So, I highly recommend Halo 3. Um, But that being said, I also think Halo Reach has really solid multiplayer. And I think Halo 2 Anniversary multiplayer on Master Chief Collection is really special. So it's got to be Master Chief Collection just because you get such a wide variety of what Halo's had to offer for multiplayer. But if that's a little overwhelming, then maybe start with Halo 5 because this is where it gets really weird. Technically, I think personally, in my opinion, Halo 5 multiplayer is the best Halo multiplayer ever because... In my opinion, they just, they got it all right. They modernized Halo, they brightened the future with a bunch of new ideas, while also keeping intact the spirit and, you know, the things that make Halo multiplayer what it is. So, if you love Halo 3 multiplayer like I do, I feel like Halo 5 multiplayer is like, it keeps that spirit intact, while also making it modern by adding Ground Pound, and adding Clamber, and adding Spartan, adding the Spartan Thrusters, and and adding dashing or uh, running and aim down sights. And so here's the thing is like, I love every Halo multiplayer. I even really love Halo 4 multiplayer, which is, I think, widely considered the weakest multiplayer. But I, I will say this even though I love to play Halo 4 multiplayer and I still play it a lot, Halo 4's multiplayer, I will agree that, like, critically, it definitely loses a lot of what makes Halo multiplayer specifically Halo or uniquely Halo. Even though I still love to play and I have a lot of fun with it, I think that's a very fair criticism of Halo 4 multiplayer. Halo 5 multiplayer is different because it takes all the advancements and the modernisms of Halo 4 multiplayer, but also blends it so well and evolves it so tastefully from Halos like 2 and 3. So I really think Halo 5 is the ultimate multiplayer experience. It's fully fleshed out. It's fully detailed. It feels like Halo. It, it is Halo top to bottom. The maps are great. The guns feel amazing. The balancing is really great. I just, I, I love Halo 5 multiplayer. So I say maybe start with dabbling in Master Chief Collection, but ideally all, you know, maybe play a little of all of them and see which one fits your play style the best. Like, I still love Halo Reach multiplayer. When Halo Reach was new, oh my god, I put so many fucking hours into Halo Reach multiplayer. So I I would recommend go through Master Chief Collection, play a little bit of all the multiplayer, see which one speaks to you, try Halo 5's multiplayer. You know, if you have access to all the games... Try them all. What do you have to lose? See which one speaks to you and which one works best for you. But I'm really glad to see you're enjoying Halo. I really envy your situa- your your position of, of being new to this franchise and being able to experience all these things for the first time. I know it's really exciting because Halo is such a great franchise. And I, and I really hope, I don't know, I'm really happy for you that you're enjoying all that. So now you are alongside the rest of us and just anxiously waiting for Infinite. But that's going to do it for all of our comments, shout outs, whatever 
uh, questions from this week's show, guys. Thank you, as always, for writing in. I appreciate it very much. Like I said, this is a slow news week, so I'm kind of dragging my feet here and taking my time just enjoying the comments. Remember, for next week's episode, first of all, write in with your uh, favorite game of 2020 or favorite gaming moments of 2020 or whatever it is. I want to do that that segment next week. Uh, you can do it like a game award thing. You can do a top five and top three games of the year, however you want to do that. Uh, remember to write in with that because that'll be a fun segment for next week. But uh, until next time, don't be shy. Reply. All right, next we're going to get into what I've been playing. But before I can tell you what I've been playing, guys, I got to tell you about what I've been eating. So actually this week, I don't really have, admittedly, I don't have anything to really go over for the what I've been eating at uh, section. I mean, the closest thing to like interesting I can say is that there's this new pizza spot that opened up like literally like a quarter mile from my apartment. I could literally leave my apartment, walk down the street, go to this restaurant, you know, like I don't even have to get my car to order pizza from here. So that's a really nice perk and feature of this place's location. But yeah, I finally decided to give it a try after having a recommendation from a coworker slash neighbor of mine who said this place is the shit. So I went there and much like he warned me, this place is incredibly overpriced for pizza. I got a single pizza and it was like $21 before tip and tax. Uh, but I, I will admit it was a very delicious pizza. It had a little of everything. It had peppers, onions, sausage pepperoni mushrooms so it was a fully loaded pizza it was very good it wasn't too greasy and disgusting but very overpriced my favorite thing about the pizza was just being able to walk outside my apartment take a nice stroll during in this fall weather we're having here in florida and go to this place pick up a pizza and walk back to my apartment rather than having you know do the typical thing you have to do everywhere around here which is just drive and wait at traffic lights and wait in traffic in general and just be pissed and drive and drive and drive so that was really the only nice thing about that but that's not really speaking to the food that's more speaking to the convenience um but the real thing i want to talk about with food this week guys is you you know me if you you know i'm a tgi guy i'm a thank god it's fridays kind of guy i love tgi fridays it's my thing it's part of my identity i've been trying frantically and i'm not even i know i'm usually pretty sarcastic but like this is dead serious i've been trying to find tgi fridays merchandise to wear i would love a goddamn tgi fridays t-shirt to sport when i'm out and about in the theme parks but goddamn it they don't exist but I'm a big TGI Fridays fan, and this past week I learned that TGI Fridays has released a new app. And this is important because literally none of you might remember, but months ago on the podcast, I, I, I was talking about how I recently had Chili's and how Chili's is actually a lot better than I remember it being. I, I remember being like a TGI way over Chili's kind of guy. But I was talking about how Chili's is actually pretty solid and how lately I've been feeling Chili's a little more than TGI Fridays because Chili's has such a modern and robust app. You can get in the app, select your location, order from the app, redeem any points or rewards you have on your account within the app, tip, pay, everything on the app, and then just go pick it up. You know, park outside the restaurant, say I'm here, and then they bring it out to your car. I love that about Chili's. It's just so convenient and modern and intuitive. And the thing I hated about TGI Fridays is their app. It seems like one of those apps, like everyone knows an app or two like this. You know, it's one of those apps where like you, you go to the Google Play or the Apple App Store and you download this app and you launch it and you go, wow, I can't wait to try the TGI Fridays app. This is going to add so much convenience and ease of use to my life. And then the, the app loads up, it boots up and you realize, oh, fuck, the aspect ratio is off. 
Why does the why does the text look holy shit? And you realize you've come across one of those apps that was developed in like 2009 and then never updated again ever fucking ever. So you're like using a phone from the year 2020 and you're like, oh my god, I can't I can't enjoy this stupid fucking app because it doesn't do anything and it's just all for show and it's useless and that was the TGI Fridays app you try to log in it would just constantly log you out you try to check your rewards and you can look at them but you couldn't redeem them you try to look for a location it lets you it says oh order now and then you try to order but it's just like call the store and it's like what the none of this is convenient like you can't use it it's not usable but all all those worries all those concerns can now melt away because the new TGI Fridays app is here and it is excellent guys let me tell you about it you log in once you stay logged in forever it's beautiful every time here I'll do it right now just to prove it to you here I'm pulling out my phone yeah you go to the app you load that shit up, it loads fast immediately, like I'm signed in, I see my rewards points, I can earn points, I can redeem points, I can order, I can pay in here, I can have it, all the conveniences, it's all here, it's so modern, the aspect ratio is beautiful, the layout fits my phone, everything's awesome, it's modern, we're doing it, everything's great, God is good, and uh, I, I just couldn't be more happy about it, now I haven't, I'm gonna, I haven't ordered TGI in a while, I'm planning on doing it in the near future, but I'm just super Happy to say the new TGI Fridays app is out. Please go ahead and download it, guys. Of course, it's free. Free to sign up. Highly rec- recommend you do it. It's uh, This is the kind of stuff that's bringing us into the future. You know, they say electric cars, dual screen phones, private companies flying to Mars, like all these things happening. Like we're we're here. We're getting into the future. But I don't, I'd say the new TGI Fridays app is like right up there in that conversation. So, but that's uh, yeah, that's what I've been eating. And then as for um. As for what I've been playing, guys, I may have given it away already earlier in the show, but yeah, I've been really delving into the Black Ops series. I don't know, I feel like there's a lot I missed here with Call of Duty, and I know I've talked about this briefly, I won't get into it too much this week, but like, I really enjoyed the hell out of Black Ops Cold War, and like, I just haven't been able to put it down. Like, I, I, The new update came out recently, I love it. The new maps are phenomenal, That they, they brought back Raid from Black Ops 2. The new, the new shopping mall, the AD shopping mall map, is like, I think one of the best call of duty maps ever made like it's just fucking amazing i love this map and i've just been really going back and enjoying the hell out of the black ops games i've been watching you know the act man on youtube and all of his call of duty videos really enjoying the hell out of those and i'm really relating with him because it seems like he had a similar trajectory with the call of duty franchise where you know he was young and grew up on the modern warfare and world at war and black ops one kind of era of call of duty and then kind of fell off around the time Black Ops 2 and Ghosts was coming out and and just kind of is only now really getting back into the series and I really relate to him and I'm enjoying his videos because it's just such a it's such a parallel experience to what I'm going through and man it's just it's just been so much fun kind of like like this past week I finished replaying the campaign on Black Ops 2 and now the other night I restarted playing Black Ops 1 so I'm I'm working through the campaign on that right now I just ordered Black Ops 3 in the mail so I found it for dirt cheap on eBay so I'm going to go through and play through Black Ops 3 for the first time, but I'm really digging this series. I, I know, like, Call of Duty is a thing, especially, in the like, for real gamers, where it's like, you gotta hate on Call of Duty, it's so lame, it's for casuals, it's, it's this annualized garbage, but it's like, I, I don't know, man, especially if you go back to the earlier days of COD, like, those were not cash grab games. Those were not just annualized, churned out, like, butter. That was, like, there was real heart and soul poured into those, like, early modern warfare, early black ops, world at war kind of call of duty games. And 
I think it's just so palpable. Like I always wrote off Black Ops 2 because it kind of came out at a time where I was really falling out of love with gaming for a little while. But now that I've gone back and replayed really all the content, I got to say, the only thing I stand by that I always said about Black Ops 2 is yes, Transit, the zombies that come on the game, that zombies map sucks. The zombies in Black Ops 2 are fucking awful. Fuck Transit. But like, I really got to like walk back some things I've said about Black Ops 2 in the past. Like Black Ops 2 multiplayer is phenomenal. And Black Ops 2's multiplayer or campaign is really good. Like, let's be perfectly clear. It's not as good as Black Ops 1's campaign at, by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a pretty good campaign. The level design's phenomenal. The the player choice is somehow pretty cool. And the story beats, for the most part, like the general outline's pretty good. It has like a lot of campy exposition bullshit in the beginning of the game. And it has like some not so cool stuff, especially towards the end with like the pr protecting the president and all that shit. Uh, some like the more futuristic shit of Black Ops 2, I think, is a little campy and lame. But overall, in general, Black Ops 2 is actually a pretty damn good game, like through and through, multiplayer and campaign wise. And I'm really glad I went back to that game in particular because I have a really new, like, I have a newfound respect and appreciation for that game. And I just, again, I've just really been enjoying going through the Black Ops franchise. Now, I, I, I've done enough research on the series and I know enough about them to understand that it's like the way the Black Ops universe basically works is like you got Black Ops 1, or technically you got World at War, which is like a prequel to Black Ops. Then you got Black Ops 1, and then you got Black Ops 2. And then you basically just forget about 3 and 4. 3 and 4 are just complete bullshit nonsense. And then you get Black Ops Cold War, the new one. That one that one counts. I think the new one has a fantastic campaign. Um, but yeah, it's like Black Ops 3 and 4 are just... It's like this whole thing where it, it's that dark era of COD where it was just like a new one was just coming out every year. And no one gave a shit. And it's just for the Call of Duty audience and no one else. But... You know, I mean, I, I'm I'm just now jumping into those games, so we'll see what they're really like once I play them. But it really does seem like, you know, Infinity or Treyarch was just like, "What do we do next?" And and Activision was just like, "Well, Black Ops makes too much goddamn money for you not to make a new Black Ops game." So they just started making new games in the Call of Duty franchise that weren't Black Ops, but just were called Black Ops anyway, which is basically what Black Ops Three and Four are. And I know they have like some mild nods that don't actually really add anything to the universe, but technically tie them together. If you want to try and connect black ops three and four to the older black ops games, but they're not really, you know, in the franchise, to be honest, like it's kind of, it's kind of bullshit. So I don't know. I'm excited to finally play black ops three in particular, because that one has a proper campaign into, and to, to kind of see like what it is that I missed out on from those years where I just wasn't buying call of duty but honestly, this this little resurgence I'm having has me pretty excited. I think I think the thing I like about Treyarch's games is I like the Black Ops setting, and I love the more arcadey feel to their Call of Duties. Like I feel like the Infinity Ward Modern Warfare games are a little more realistic from a gameplay perspective and balancing perspective, whereas the Black Ops games tend to be a little more like goofy and arcadey, and that's just more my play style. But I I don't know. I've just really been enjoying kind of just admiring and appreciating and re falling in love with this series that, you know, the sub series of call of duty that I haven't really thought about or cared about too much in like eight or 10 years. So that's just been fun. Uh, aside from that, I, my brother got me access to the, uh, back for blood alpha. And as some of you may know, the computer I have is a surface pro It's a Microsoft surface pro. And while I love the fuck out of my surface pro, um, I gotta be honest, like, Obviously, this is not a gaming machine, and I never bought this with the intention of gaming, 
but sometimes I'm really fucking surprised what I can get to run on my Surface Pro. And my brother was like, just download the alpha. We'll try to make it run. I'm like, uh, brother, I don't think you have any fucking clue how impossible it's going to get be to run Back for Blood on a, on a goddamn Microsoft Surface tablet. And lo and behold, uh, I freed up the storage on my computer. I went to Steam and I downloaded it and... Wouldn't you know, the, the fucking game runs on a Surface Pro. Like, what the fuck? I mean, obviously, I had to knock the resolution and the graphic settings and everything down to, like, bare minimum specs. But I, I was surprised to see that the game actually fucking ran. Now, it was a little choppy. I would drop frames a little bit. I was probably getting, like, like like 20, 20 to 25 frames a second. It wasn't great, you know? I wouldn't play it extensively like that. But for someone who was just trying to get a feel for the game and get a taste of it, I could not believe my fucking Surface Pro was handling that thing like a champ. Maybe that speaks more to Turtle Rock, the developer Turtle Rock Studios, like optimization of the game. But fuck, my my my, my little Surface Pro handled it like a champ. But more focused on the game itself, Back for Blood is exactly what I hoped it would be in the sense that it is just Left 4 Dead 3. It's Left 4 Dead 3 with a different title. There are a couple little things I don't like about the game. Like it has this stupid card system that I have no interest in learning or paying attention to but it's there and it annoys the fuck out of me but it doesn't really have too much effect on the game to be honest and then the second thing is i don't like that the game tries tries to stray away from like just pure typical zombies and tries to make it a little more like some weird kind of like monster thing i don't know there's it's like some form of zombies they don't even call them zombies and i don't like that i wish i wish they just did just generic classic horror zombies and nothing nothing fancy no twists you know, just zombies. Um, but that's a really minor gripe that doesn't actually make any difference in the grand scheme of things. So with, as far as what actually matters, the gameplay, the feel, the, f- the addictiveness, the loop, it's Left 4 Dead. It's it's a modern next-gen version of Left 4 Dead, and I couldn't be more pleased with it. So I'm, I'm not, I you know, I, I just wanted to play enough to get a feel for it, just to be sure that Left 4 Dead was coming back. And yeah, I mean, if you were someone who has any hesitation or concern about what Back for Blood is, it is purely Left 4 Dead 3. It is exactly what we've been asking for forever. It is Left 4 Dead 3, and it's very exciting. So I'm really looking forward to that game when it comes out next summer, and I can play it on my Xbox. Um, and then lastly, I jumped into Gears 5 Hive Busters, the new expansion that came out for Gears 5. I won't speak much to this. I literally only play like the first mission and a half. But I, I got to be honest, if you're looking for the Xbox Series X like tech demo or like the thing to sell the Xbox Series X look no further than Gears 5 Hive Busters I actually think they should have released this as a separate download they should not have released this as Gears 5 like go into Gears 5 and launch it to get this they should have released it as a separate thing especially because most people are just going to play through Game Pass anyway because this really is like the Spider-Man Miles Morales to Gears 5 you know it's like this could have been Xbox could have I don't know why they didn't I don't know why they didn't just spin this off as a separate download like Halo ODST or Spider-Man Miles Morales or something like that because they could have packaged this and sold it as like a 30 40 dollar game and be like hey here is your little like small Xbox Series X exclusive to get you going kind of like what PlayStation had with Spider-Man so I think it's a completely missed opportunity because graphically and performance wise this is the thing to show off the Xbox Series X it looks phenomenal the game looks stunning so so good 
And gameplay-wise, it's just more really fun Gears of War. It's a whole new cast of characters. I'm trying to get used to them right now. They're they're kind of cool. They're kind of generic, but I, I'm enjoying it well enough. Um, I, it's a, it's kind of too early to really tell, but it's more Gears. It's more great Gears gameplay. Um, but like the thing that I've been most impressed with is just God the setting, the settings and the visual style of this of this expansion, the side DLC, this 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 second campaign are so, so good. Like, it, it's just such a beautiful game. I So many moments just playing the first level alone where I had to stop and be like, God damn, this is a beautiful game. Like, I kept pissing off my girlfriend because I kept just saying like, oh my God, oh my God, look at look at it, look at it, isn't it, is it so beautiful? And she's like, shut up, I know, whatever. And yeah, it was awesome. Like, th- this is a must play. If you're even remotely a Gears fan or if you just want an excuse to see what your Series X can do, play Gears 5 Hive Busters. It's beautiful. And it's, it's fun. So I'll get back to that soon. I'm having a hard time like really getting into it because I'm just really enjoying my my weird Black Ops kick right now. But once that dies down, I'm really excited to get back into this and, and fully enjoy and give it my undivided attention. But that's what I've been playing. Guys, we're like 20 hours into the show now. Let's get into our very short news week. All right, our first story here comes from Windows Central. And keep in mind, nothing this week is like particularly big news, but nonetheless, Halo developer 343 Industries have announced uh, in a blog post that the vast majority of online services for Xbox 360 Halo games are being sunset permanently in December of 2021, roughly one year from now. This primarily includes multiplayer services like matchmaking and online servers. Custom games will still work, Uh, but some other features such as file share and player customization may be disabled as well. It's important to note that this will This will affect every Xbox 360 copy of these games, including the ones being played through Xbox One backwards compatibility. The specific features that are being sunset vary game to game, but thankfully 343 Industries have created a handy chart that makes it perfectly clear which games will and won't be affected in which aspects. And I I have a picture of it here just so I can reference as I talk about this. But I saw this kind of making the news rounds a lot this week, and I think that's maybe only because my social media feed has so many Halo-centric gamers in it nowadays for whatever reason. I don't even know how I got to that point, but there's just so many Halo-focused people on my Twitter timeline now that I just see a lot of this, but... It, it seemed like at least, I don't think gamers, I think just the Halo community was a little outraged or up in arms by this. And I can't for the life of me understand why the fuck anyone was upset about this. Like I share, like if you're someone who sees this and you're like, oh man, end of an era, that's a little sad. Like I share that sentiment. That's totally understandable. But for people to be upset about this is like such a head scratching, what the fuck moment. It's like, guys, you still be able to pop in your Halo 3 or your Halo 4 disc into your Xbox Series X and play the campaign via backwards compatibility. But all they're saying is, you know, a year from now, they're going to start shutting off the multiplayer. So you can't, you know, you can't, the servers are down. You can't match make on Halo 4 from playing a Halo 4 disc from the 360. Like, guys, this is the whole point of the Master Chief Collection. This is literally why the Master Chief Collection exists is because Halo is one of those things. It's one of those rare games. It's like Counter-Strike. It's like Unreal Tournament. It's like, uh, fucking, I don't know, like World of Warcraft. It's like one of those things where it's like, it is a game, it is a platform, it is an experience, a multiplayer experience that is just here to stay forever. It will never shut down, it will never fully go away. That's literally the purpose of the Master Chief Collection, is getting all of those experiences in one place so you can have a hub to enjoy your Halo. That's why I always say, I think one day you'll see Halo 5 come to Master Chief Collection. It's just going to be 
in a world where Halo Infinite has released and we're used to it, and Halo 5 is far from the most current Halo f- game in the series, I'm saying that's when that'll happen, but that's literally the purpose of the Master Chief Collection, is because inevitably you have to do this. Why the fuck would you have online servers running forever, you know, for Halo 3, which came out in 2007, on 360, when... Everyone else, you know, has moved on from the 360 and can just play Halo 3 multiplayer on the Master Chief Collection. Like, it just makes no sense. And again, I understand it's it's like end of an era. Like, there's there's a part of me that definitely, like, you know, next next year, next fall, around the time this, this shuts down, I definitely want to take some time to, like, sit down and put the Halo 3 disc in my Xbox for old time sh- old time's sake and just, like dig through the menus and play a match-made game of Halo 3 the old way, you know, not through the Master Chief Collection, not through the new menus, not through the new features, not through any of that, just the old classic way of putting the Halo 3 disc in your Xbox, booting it up, getting that start screen, those menus, matchmaking through that specific title, and just kind of being transported back to 2007. I get, I get that, but like, th- this had to happen eventually. You can't just keep, you can't just keep up and maintain servers forever, for these old games that no one's playing. Like, who the fuck is like, oh, I want to play Halo 4 multiplayer, but I don't feel like playing Master Chief Collection on my Xbox Series X. I actually feel like playing Halo 4 on my Xbox 360. It's like, no, no one's doing that. So this makes sense that this is happening. It's just, it's just like a, it's just one of those sad things that just kind of signifies the end of an era. And it's, it's mostly stuff like, you know, like, um, on Halo Reach and Halo 4 and Halo 3, you'll still be able to do custom games and forge and split screen and all that shit. It's just, like, you just won't be able to do, you know, matchmaking and file sharing and stuff like that. So, again, it's it sucks, it's sad, but, like, it's totally understandable. Actually, oddly enough, it says that Halo Spartan Assault and Halo Wars will still have online features as well. You'll still be able to play Halo Wars 1 online. So, I mean, what that tells you, literally what that tells you is that they're just shutting down online service and support for the games that are duplicates, for the games that you can already play via the Master Chief Collection. So that's literally all that tells you. The fact that you can still play Halo Spartan Assault online, but not Halo 3, just means that they're just saying, yeah, play Master Chief Collection. So I don't know. It's not that It's not, It's not. not that big a thing. Um, I mean, the only thing I'll really say this is if you're an achievement whore, and you don't have all the online multiplayer achievements for Halo Reach, Halo 4, and Halo 3, now's the time to get online, get some friends together, go on Halo Waypoint, find a community of gamers that will help you out with this, and go get those online achievements before this happens, because once these things are shut off, those achievements are going to be lost into time and space forever. So that is one thing I will say you might want to go ahead and, and get your hands on before it's too late. But other than that, just play these games through Master Chief Collection. Still a little sad, though. I get it. Okay, that's our first story of the week. Our second story here, uh, again, coming from Windows Central, we've got Cyberpunk 2077 continues to be the subject of much critical and commercial scrutiny, but in spite of the poor reception the game uh, on the, to the game's base console versions, the sales uh, still appear to be strong. CD Projekt Red, parent company uh, CD Projekt, um, shared in an investor's report confirming that Cyberpunk 2077 has sold over 13 million copies so far, which is stupid. Uh, this report, which is based on, quote, reports obtained from digital distribution platforms and data collected through physical retail distributors, is noted to account for any refunds requested so far, though the exact number of copies that have been refunded remains unknown, meaning that the 13 million copies sold include or or do not include the ones that were refunded. These are just the 13 million copies that were sold and kept, which is insane. 
Um, additionally, despite Sony recently making the announcement to indefinitely remove Cyberpunk uh, from PlayStation's digital storefront, Xbox have announced that they are extending their refund policy for Cyberpunk 2077, although that's about as far as they're willing to go as they don't seem to have any plans for removing the game from the Xbox store. Xbox was already being generous uh, with their refunds reportedly and reportedly approved nearly all of the refund requests for Cyberpunk, uh, but now they are extending the tip, the type, the typical refund time frame until further notice. Now, anyone who purchased Cyberpunk should be able to request and be approved for a refund. However, Cyberpunk will Cyberpunk will remain for purchase in the Microsoft Store, and there are no talks currently to remove Cyberpunk, according to CD Projekt Red. It is also important to note that CD Projekt uh, have also begun to offer returns for physical copies of the games rather than having customers return them directly to big box retailers like Target and Best Buy. I'm kind of tired of talking about CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk, but whatever. This is it's a slow news week and this is literally like what the world of gaming has to offer this whole month seemingly. So we'll, we'll keep at it. Uh, first of all, 13 million copies is fucking amazing. And what that tells you is that I think that that's the perfect this is the perfect example of what they what they mean when they when people say there's no such thing as bad press or all press is good press because people are talking about cyberpunk left and right regardless of whether or not you know it's all positive news it's getting people to look at this game and i think a lot of people are looking at it and just going wow game looks really fucking cool and they're buying it so other than that i think it also speaks to the strong pre-order numbers i think someone said that the game sold over 8 million copies or something simply from pre-order numbers alone. So that doesn't really surprise me that, or I mean, sorry, that's a pretty mind-blowing number, keeping in mind that, like, I don't know, like, if a game, if a, if someone announces that their game's already sold, like, a million copies after, like, its first week, that's generally considered, like, a massive success. So, you know, keep in mind, 13 million is fucking out of this world. Like, that's, 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 like, game of the generation, like, first-party content, like, sales numbers right there. So really, really impressive stuff coming out the gate from CD Projekt, and and Cyberpunk is most likely going to be one of those like Skyrim-type Witcher games where it has that sales longevity. It's not going to be one of those games where it's like, oh, you know, they sold all their copies in the first two weeks and then moved on. It's like, this is probably a game that's going to be on NPD numbers for quite a while, so really, really impressive stuff, and they're off to a phenomenal start. So you can say what you want about how they fucked up and how it's over for CD Projekt Red, but with with sales numbers like this, it's pretty clear to see that Cyberpunk's going to be a fucking hit, whether whether you like it or not. So, and then as for the as for the refunds thing, this is this is the story that broke after last week's show went up. Shortly after last week's show went up, the fact that Sony removed the game from the PlayStation Store is incredibly unprecedented and entirely surprising. So that that was just a crazy story right there. But to see Microsoft say we're not going to remove the game. You know, we'll offer refunds. We'll be really lenient about that, but we're keeping the game on our storefront. I, this is going to sound a little fanboy, but I actually really respect that decision from Microsoft because what Microsoft's done is when you go to the games, game store page on the Microsoft store, it just says, you know, you know, older platforms may experience some performance issues, blah, blah, blah. There's a little disclaimer on it. And I actually really respect that because it's basically their way of saying like, hey, the game is out. It's out there. This, the developer's selling it. It's out to the public. It's not in the best shape. And here's a little disclaimer explaining that and maybe warning you if you're playing a base Xbox One. But like, we're not going to tell you you can't buy this game that's out and available just because we're trying to protect our own image or our own customers. It's like the reality is like the decision's yours. Like if you're even a remotely informed 
purchaser, you know there's shit going down with Cyberpunk. It's all anyone's talking about. So it's not terribly likely that people are just, oh, Cyberpunk, what's this? I haven't heard a single fucking thing about this Cyberpunk game. Oh, let's click on this. Wow, this looks really interesting. Wow, I think I'm going to spend $60 and download this game right now. You know, five hours later. Holy shit, this game's broken. It's a buggy mess. How dare they mislead me like this? It's like, that's not going to happen. Like, anyone who's buying Cyberpunk knows what's going on right now. And if, if not, there's at least a disclaimer there. I like the idea of like letting the consumer decide for themselves. Like, Hey, I either want this or I don't like let, let the, let the purchaser make that decision. I don't, we, we don't need Sony removing it. I, to me, that's more like Sony trying to protect their own skin by like hiring the, the perceived value in, in, in quality of, of the PlayStation brand by being like, Oh, when I go to the store on PlayStation, I know I can only get quality games. It's like, I don't know, man. It's like, just let, it's a game, it's for sale, the developers put it out there, let people buy it if they want to buy it, you know? That being said, there's also, again, remember Microsoft had a massive marketing commitment with CD Projekt Red for this game. All the marketing for Cyberpunk, you know, leading up to launch was associated with the Xbox brands as a lot of, you know, happens with a lot of big games where the marketing kind of goes to Sony or Microsoft and you see it associated more with one platform. So I wonder if you know, there's a lot of situations where Microsoft wants to say something or wants to do something or, or, you know, would have been, would have taken a specific stance if it weren't for the fact that they're kind of financially and contractually obligated to promote and stand behind this game due to the marketing agreement. And I wonder if they regret that now, because no doubt Microsoft spent a lot of money kind of aligning with cyberpunk. It, It was a big get. Remember like, Keanu Reeves came out on Microsoft stage at E3 to talk about cyberpunk and all the ads talk about this game on Xbox and show the Xbox logo. And that's a, that's a big get for Xbox. It's kind of like, you know, how destiny was associated with PlayStation four and all that. So this is, this is a big get for Microsoft. It's just too unfortunate that of course this had to be the scenario surrounding it. Sometimes it feels like Xbox just gets (laughs) like, of course, of course that would be Xbox, you know, PlayStation would swipe call of duty from Xbox and, get the destiny marketing and all that shit. And then Microsoft would be like, ah, we finally got a big one. We got that new cyberpunk game. And it's like, eh, fuck you. It runs like shit. It's broken. But anyway, I'm really tired of talking about cyberpunk. So I'll kind of leave it at that. But if you guys have anything else to add to that, feel free to comment. I'm just, I'm personally really burned out on this game. I haven't even played yet just from all the conversations surrounding it. Yeah. Our final big story of the week. I told you it's a small news week, short news week. But our final Newsweek story of the week, and, and, and this is one I really included in the notes specifically for me because this is relevant to something I care about, but it is technically relevant to Xbox, although I, I'm sure most of you won't give a shit or even know who this is about, but let's get let's get into it so we can learn. So from gamesindustry.biz, game services provider Keyword Studios has added yet another company to its roster of studios with the acquisition of high voltage software for a total consideration of up to $50 million. The terms of acquisition will see Keyword Studio Keyword Keywords Studios pay an initial consideration of 23.75 million in cash and the equivalent of 9.75 million in in ordinary shares plus a deferred considerate consideration of up to 16.5 million if performance targets are met by December 31st, 2021. American games developer service company High Voltage Software was created in 1993 and has contributed to the games and has contributed to games such as Fortnite and Mortal Kombat and developed its own titles such as Hunter the Reckoning or Lego Racers and was probably most recently known in terms of their own IP for the Nintendo Wii's popular franchise, uh, The Conduit. It shipped over 100 games across all platforms in its time as a studio. High Voltage Software's uh, founder and majority shareholder, Kerry 
Ganofsky will remain in his role as CEO, and the studio is expected to generate $9 million in earnings before interest taxes and depreciation in 2021, and will provide keywords with new uh, present with a new presence in Chicago and New Orleans, where their studios are located. CEO of Keyword Studios, Andrew Day, commented with, with its 27-year pedigree of game development in global uh, video game markets, video games market, uh, High Voltage brings incredible experience, expertise, and additional scale to our fast-growing game development service line. Ganofsky, CEO, added, "We are overjoyed with it with to join an industry with leading. We are overjoyed to join an industry-leading global group such as Keyword Keyword Studios. We are tremendously excited to. We are tremendously excited that they share our vision for." Uh, augmenting our development capabilities, and they will provide us with the ability to embark upon a growth trajectory for our business creating the next gen of AAA games. This is one of several acquisitions made by Keyword Studios in the year, including marketing agency GNAP Media, co-development studio Heavy Iron, creating marketing firm Maverick Media, and engineering service Coconut Lizard. Back in May, Keywords raised £100 million uh, in to fund the acquisition of services uh, companies face to fund the acquisition of services of services companies facing instability due to COVID-19. Okay. So maybe a little too much information there, but yeah, this is a big one. So, or it's not a big one, actually it's a big one to me. It's not a big one in the grand scheme of things, but high voltage software has been really under the radar for a long time. And what this acquisition basically means is now they will be fully a support studio. They will be co-developing and support roles on various projects and things like that. And they are basically completely off the table as far as creating original IP and new games are, uh, which is really sad. But I, I just thought this was notable because High Voltage Software was a really notable developer to me uh, because they were big back in the Wii ga- Nintendo Wii days for their series, The Conduit, which was this first-person shooter game uh, franchise that was basically aimed at trying to mow and and they did this with you know an a game engine they built specifically designed with the Wii in mind and the whole purpose of what they were trying to do was create games that look and play as next gen as possible for the Wii considering the hardware restraints of the Wii trying to make the games look and run as much like a 360 or a PS3 game at the time as they possibly could and to you know, to their success, they created—I I forget what the engine's called now—but they created a really beautiful engine that really made Wii games look and run just wonderfully. Like it, it made Wii. And, and keep in mind, you know, the Wii is a 480p non-HD machine. But aside from the fact that it wasn't in HD, just in terms of like lighting and and, and graphics and art style and just and detail and textures, they were able to create an engine that just made games look fucking beautiful on the Nintendo Wii. And they created the the Conduit series. They made two of them, Conduit 1 and 2. It was kind of like a, a generic spin-off, knockoff, like Call of Duty Halo kind of clone game. Um, but it was actually a lot of fun. I enjoyed the first one quite a bit. Sega actually published them, or at least here in the States they did. But the second one was actually really good. The second one like really kicked things up with... Um, with phenomenal multiplayer, <laughs> online multiplayer, and a pretty solid campaign. So I was actually a huge fan of those games at the time, back back when I was a bigger Nintendo fan, just constantly trying to die on this hill of like, Nintendo is the best, you guys don't appreciate them, like, oh my god, one day they'll be bigger than Call of Duty and Xbox, whatever. But yeah, I, I, I really liked that back then, I, I was a big fan of that studio. And then lastly, the reason why I mentioned them is because they're, they're the studio that always intrigues me, because the last... You know, now they, as as the story mentions, now they work in, like, support roles. They work on, like, Fortnite and Mortal Kombat as, like, one of the many, many support teams that help these main developers work on these games. But back in the day, the last big, like, tr- like IP, like, 
their own creative IP from the ground up that they were working on that never came out was called The Grinder. Now this, The Grinder, awful name, really cool looking game. The Grinder was originally revealed as a an exclusive for Wii. So their other franchise, The Conduit, was supposed to be like, you know, which did come out, the first two games, Conduit 1 and 2. It was like, like I said, like a Call of Duty slash Halo kind of like clone for Wii. Uh, but The Conduit was supposed to be like, a Left 4 Dead kind of clone for Wii. So they were like, co- they were covering all the bases of everything I loved at the, back in that time, which is like Halo, Black Ops, Left 4 Dead, World at War, whatever. And yeah, so the grinder looked awesome. It was this game where you played as, you know, it was a four player, um, first person, like basically like Left 4 Dead style game where like you work through like these short campaigns and get to safe houses and fight hordes of monsters. But the catch was, you played as like really cool characters. There was like a, like a cowboy, like Western guy. There was like a vampire slayer guy and they're like different. It was all themed like different, like horror tropes. And rather than just fighting like zombies, like left for dead, it was like, you'd fight, you'd fight werewolves and vampires and things like that. So, and demons. And so it was supposed to be like all the, like the generic horror tropes thrown into this one, like left for dead knockoff for Wii. Um, where you play as up to four characters, and I believe the characters would be different, like different weapons and, and personalities and, and gameplay styles, and it seemed like a really fucking cool game. You can go on YouTube and look this up. There are actual gameplay demos of this running on the Wii from various E3s and developers talking about the game and showing it off, and it, it looked like it was really far along in development. It looked beautiful, and then the game went quiet for like a year or two, and then it came back as a top-down uh, twin-stick shooter, and then, and when it came back like that, they're like, yeah, so now we're making another version of it that will be available for Xbox 360 and PS3. And so on Xbox and PlayStation, it was going to be a top-down twin-stick shooter, but on Wii, it was still going to come up as that first-person Left 4 Dead knockoff that looked really pretty and ran that really nice Wii engine. And then after that, the game just silently got canceled and we never heard about it again. And then the studio just went dark and we never heard about them really again. They went back and, you know, before they made like Conduit and Hunter Reckoning and all those games that they were known for, they made, they made like, you know, they, they did a lot of like uh, contract work for like support work or like movie tie-in and TV show tie-in games. They made like, you know, they, I think they made like, like Nickelodeon games and things like that. So they did a lot of that kind of shit, just, you know, work to stay afloat and to, and to give the, the company work. I think they did like some door, the Explorer games or some shit like that, but that, that's a studio that always really interested me from a young age. I remember that being like one of the first like lesser known studios I ever really learned about back when I was young and I was getting more and more into like the video games industry and just learning about like who makes games and what does this industry look like and like what is there to know about video games. And I don't know, that, that studio just always holds a special place in my heart because I still like to think to this day like I wish that fucking game came out, especially on Xbox. I really wish it came out and was successful and then they could have made you know, a sequel to that Left 4 Dead, like vampire werewolf slaying Left 4 Dead clone for Xbox. I would have played the shit out of that game. I still, I still wish someone would make that like a Left 4 Dead or Back 4 Blood-esque game where you play as like fucking vampire Van Helsing looking slaying like monster hunters and you kill vampires and werewolves and mummies and shit like that. I think that would be such a badass game, but it's uh yeah. I mean, look it up. The videos are awesome. It's a really cool looking game, but 
That's going to do it for all of our big news this week, guys. Let's quickly jump through our handful of important enough news stories. Stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions. We have a couple of them real quick. So Among Us is now available on Xbox Game Pass for PC, but apparently uh, the small team isn't done with uh, isn't done just there because they are bringing Among Us to Xbox uh, consoles in 2021. So stay tuned for more information on that. Windows Central reports that unlike the base version of Control, previously announced Control Ultimate Edition includes a free next-gen upgrade, allowing players to experience the game at its best on Xbox Series X and S. These new next-gen versions of the game are now set to release on February 2nd, 2021. For digital owners, and physical release will be on March 2nd, a month later. Uh, Windows Central also reports that the uh, the complex farming simulator RPG strategy Stardew Valley has just gotten even deeper due to a massive 5th anniversary patch, um, which adds entirely new endgame region called Ginger Island, which is part of Fern Islands. The zone features a quest line involving multiple NPCs, a volcano dungeon that changes every time you visit, and a resort you can unlock that'll let villagers visit the island with new beach attire. The update also adds a host of new crops, farm animals, monsters, craftable items, food, fertilizer, fishing tackle, rings, hats, shoes, and more. The game also adds 15 new hairstyles, weapons, and fish. The update is set to hit consoles in early 2021 and mobile devices sometime after that. Our penultimate story here is that from Minecraft.net. Uh, the Chills and Thrills event in Minecraft Dungeons has kicked off as of December 18th and will continue to run through December 30th. The event will have six new winter-themed trials with two new trial modifiers, including a changing number of chests, changing the cooldown on artifacts, and invisible mobs. And the cherry on top of all this stone-cold Sunday, well, there are three unique collectible items as rewards. Slay the snowy fashion game uh, with the Arctic Fox armor, slice your way through the ice with the Frost Slayer, or cut through chilling winds with the Shivering Bow. Each item brings a wintry approach to combat. And lastly, from Xbox Wire, to celebrate the final uh, or the the finale of the Mandalorian season two on Disney Plus, Xbox have teamed up with Lucasfilm Games to create two new epic Mandalorian-themed Xbox controllers, giving us giving Star Wars fans and gamers alike a chance to win a set of exclusive galactic designs. So, the custom controllers feature sketches of the now iconic child character uh, and the Mandalorian character on the other one. Uh, both controllers are designed to have a pop of color and with affectionately calling Tatooine Tangerine and the child is, his controller is called the, the Tython Turquoise for the Mandalorian, God damn it! Uh, from December 17th through 18th, which is now, fans who are 18 or older and residents of the United States uh, who follow the Xbox account on Twitter can retweet the sweepstakes uh, and tweet with the hashtag Mandalorian Xbox sweepstakes for the chance to win two not-for-sale limited edition controllers in an exclusive Star Wars-themed mailer. So you just got to have that. You can go on the Xbox Twitter account to see more. Tweet using the hashtag. Tweet at them. Do your thing. Hopefully you win these these children controllers for the Mandalorian. And then we can all go to sleep again. Now, guys, normally this is the part of the podcast where we go over the Xbox new game releases of the week. But I went to the Xbox Wire and there was no posting. There's nothing. Uh, I went there. I said, what are the new games released? And there are a total of zero games apparently come to Xbox. The, the Xbox Wire says, screw you. We don't feel like telling you what's going on. So I guess there are no new releases. So I'm sorry we're not able to do that segment this week due to Xbox Wire just not posting anything, but I do have an update on Games with Gold, so as a final, or as a penultimate reminder, as I guess we'll have to mention it next week, but for Games with Gold, for the rest of the month, you got The Raven, which you can download now, you've got Bleed 2, which is available until January 15th, 
You missed out on Saints Row, but you can still get stacking until the 31st. So you got another week to get that game. But they have just announced the January games with gold as of this week. So starting in January, these are the games you can look forward to. This is a much better lineup than what we got in December. So stay, let, let's go through it. So from January 1st through 31st, you got Little Nightmares, which I've never played, but I've heard really good things about. And then from January 16th through February 15th, you've got Dead Rising, the classic uh, zombie game from uh, Capcom. And then from January 1st to 15th, you got the Xbox 360 Classic, The King of Fighters, 13, some nerdy shit there. And then lastly, uh, from January 16th through the 31st, you've got Breakdown, an Xbox Classic. I've always wanted to play that game, so I'm actually excited to get that and download it and maybe give it a try finally, but that's what you can look forward to in January, guys. Be sure you download your games with gold. If you're paying for gold, you're already getting these. You're paying for this shit. You just download it. Don't be dumb, dumb, dumb idiot. $79.96 of value in games with 3,000 gamer score. So don't be a dumb idiot. All right, guys. So that's going to do it for our episode this week. Uh, very Merry Christmas to all of you. Again, this podcast is going up on Christmas Eve. So I assume a lot of you guys are probably going to take some time off. Probably got time off work, spending time with friends or family or whatever. Or maybe you're just locking yourself in your apartment because COVID and you don't want to get everyone in your life sick. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what your plans are, or what your objectives are. I respect whatever you're going to do. But whatever you do, have a happy, merry and a merry holiday because uh, like Starbucks, I don't want to offend anyone by saying anything in particular. But have a great holiday season, guys. Stay safe. Enjoy some some relaxing, relaxing time with people you care about or by yourself or eat some good food or whatever you got to do, but just enjoy yourself. Have a great holiday season. And until next week, power your dreams.
in this world This is what happens